for coming um, tonight we will dedicate tonight's class was dedicated by Rabbi and Mrs. Velvold Sickman and this is in honor of the birthday of Rebetzin Chaya Mushke Schneerson the Rebetzin, the wife of the Lubavitcher Rebbe whose birthday was today the 25th of Ador may this be a big schus for you, Velvel, and your family to shower with you with much, much, much blessings and a merit for all the Jewish people and for all of us in Los Angeles for much bracha and much inspiration and much light and all only good and the ultimate wish of the coming of Mashiach. May it happen now. Um, <coughs> the CD this week was sponsored by Dr. Ze'ev Ravnoi. And this is in honor of his cousin, Moshe ben Peretz. His mother's name was Chana. Hashem Yinkon Domoi, may his blood be avenged. He was a person who passed away in the 1970s during a terrorist attack while he was doing heroic acts in saving, I guess, people in the hotel. There was a terrorist attack in a hotel in Tel Aviv and uh, involved in the work that he was doing in the army. Um, he um, ended up taking a hit and passed away. May this be to the schus of his neshama, to the schus of his special soul. Anybody that sacrifices his life for the well-being of the Jewish people to save another Jew, there's no way that anybody can even estimate the heights of these neshamas. So may this be a big schus for him, and may he channel lots of brachas to you for thinking about him and for the entire Aravnoi family. For much bracha and mazel, and only only good things and wonderful things, and may Hashem already put an end to all suffering and all terrorism and all this narishkeit and stupidity that is still in the world. May it finally come to an end with the coming of Mashiach. May it happen right now. Uh, this week is Parshas Tazria. And uh, we, re- we learn about the laws of the tzaras. The tzaras is a discoloring of the skin. When a certain portion of the skin turns to a white color, that is called tzaras. And there are certain laws of defilement in which the person carrying this tzaras um, needs to go through a process. And he has to go visit a kohen, and the kohen will decide if his um, um, discoloring of his skin meets the criteria of the tzaras that is impure, and it's a whole process how he becomes purified again. That's the subject of this week's Torah portion and next week's Torah portion, Pasha's Mitzorah. 
There is a fascinating passage in the Talmud where the Gemara tells us in Mesechtis Sanhedrin. The Talmud says like this. Um, let me find it. This is on page Tzadik Zion, page 97, on the first side of the page, in Tractate Sanhedrin and Perik Tanya, we learned in a Brisa. A Brisa is a type of a Mishnah. Um, it says as follows. Reb Nechemya Omer. Rabbi Nechemya says, Dor Sheben David the Ba. The generation that Ben David, the son of David, will come to. The generation that is going to merit the coming of Mashiach, the son of David. Boy, in that generation. So he, he paints a very, 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 very dark and bleak picture of what the world is going to look like, what that generation is going to endure. Number one, Ha'aziz Tirbe. Azuz means chutzpah, disrespect. So chutzpah, and as he re- translates it in art scroll over here, insolence. Insolence will increase. There will be a lot of disre- disrespect in the world. Okay? And honor will, he translates over here, honor will dwindle. That's one interpretation. Or honor will become will be will be corrupt. What does it mean? Honor will dwindle, and what it will mean? What does it mean that honor will be corrupt? These are two interpretations based on Rashi. Rashi gives two interpretations of what it means. Hayoyker yaaves. Interpretation number one is that people there will be very little respect, where people won't respect each other. General, earlier we spoke about there will be chutzpah in the world. But in addition to that, people just will not have respect for each other. And that's the idea that honor will, will dwindle. Another pshat Rashi says, in the meaning of this, this idea, is that yoiker ya'avis means that even those that are the most precious, which are people that ought to have been respected, the honorable ones, people that are on a, on a level that they should be respected because they, are, they should be honored. Ya'aves, they will be corrupt. That means even the most respectable people will really be corrupt and will be dishonest. That means that the corruption of the generation is going to be so through and through, so thorough, that it is going to affect even the highest of the people. Even the great people will also become corrupted. That's what, that's the second sign. And the third sign. Vagefen yitin piryoi. The vineyards will give its fruit. Meaning there will be a lot of grapes. Strange thing. There will be a lot of grapes. There will be a lot of, the crops will grow. But vahayayin biyoiker. But wine will still be very expensive. There will be an inflation in wine. So the price of wine will shoot up, even though there will be a lot of grapes. So Rashi gives two interpretations how that can be. One interpretation is that even though there will be a lot of grapes, but the grapes will not be of a good quality. So therefore, the wine, good wine, is going to be very expensive because there's going to be a lot of grapes, but they're not going to be, there's not going to be a blessing in the grapes. Or another interpretation, people will become so alcoholic 
there will be so much drinking and so dr- there will be so much drunkardness in the world that there will be such a demand for wine and for alcohol. And for that reason, it's going to be expensive even though there's going to be so much. Okay? Then he continues, V'nehebcha kol ha-malchus. V'nehebcha, so today they have a problem because if they're going to legalize marijuana and drugs, right? So the problem is going to be with all the people that are selling drugs that they're not, it's going to be like much cheaper. So it's going to be like how are these criminals going to make all their money from selling drugs? But it would be interesting that if even if that they even after they legalize it, if there is such a desire for these for these substances that make people crazy, uh, that people are looking, people are so frustrated in their life that they're looking for escape, and there is going to be such a strong that even if um, th- they legalize it and there is so much available, it will still be a lot. It will still be very expensive because of the demand will be so high. So I don't know if you can substitute wine for drugs. I'm not sure. I'm just making that. Because sometimes the Gemara speaks in language that was applicable in those days. And if you want to apply it to today, uh, maybe that's what it means. Again, that's just a possibility. Then it continues and it says, V'chol ha-malchus laminus. And all the kingdoms, all the governments will become heretical. Everyone, all the governments will become heretics, non-believers. In other words, there will be a tremendous, um, a great a collapse in the belief system in the world. And I guess there will be a great collapse in morality as a result of that. And there's no one to rebuke anyone. The people are not accepting a rebuke. Okay, so then the Gemara says, well, this, this statement of the sages, of the Braisa, Messiah the Rabbi Yitzchak, goes hand in hand with what Rabbi Yitzchak said. Rabbi Yitzchak said the same idea. Ein ben David ba, Moshiach will not come until all kingship and all kingdoms will become apostates. Laminus, to heretic. Omar Rava, what's the connection, however, to this week's parasha? Omar Rava, Rava says, Micra, where do we derive this idea that before Mashiach comes, when everybody becomes heretics, when there is a total um, um, denial of God, so to speak, throughout the entire world. How do you know that that's a sign of Mashiach? Well, Rav says, we see it in this parsha. In this parsha, as we spoke earlier, when a person gets the nega, there is a verse that says that the nega is a white blotch on their body. The Pasuk says that if that nega spreads over the entire body, let me read the verse for you. If the nega covers the entire, the entire body, this is in Pasuk um, Yud Gimel. Ah, interesting. Perek Yud Gimel, chapter 13, verse 13. I wonder if there's, any, if there's any symbolism in that. That it's chapter 13, verse 13. But in any case, it says, No, sorry. The Pasuk before that, chapter 13, verse 12, says that if the tzaras, and paroyach tifrach tzaras, if the tzaras goes and covers ba'oyer in the skin of the person, and the tzaras covers as kol oyer ha the entire skin of the person who has the nega, from head to toe, to the entire vision of the kohen. The kohen scans the person 
from, from his top, from his head to his feet, and he's entire covered in this tzaras. His entire body is covered. And then the next verse says, Pasekut Gimel, verse 13, If the tzaras infection infected his entire body, the person is now deemed purified. In other words, by the tzaras spreading on his entire body, now the Kohen proclaims him pure, and he's, he's just been redeemed, or some, some, just been healed from his illness. Because his entire body, the entire nega turned to white, he is pure. So Rav says in the Gemara, Masech the Sanhedrin, so this is an indication when you see the whole world is inflicted with, with heretic beliefs, when you see that the entire world rebels against God, so then you know that what? That that's a sign of purification. When everything becomes corrupted, that's a sign of purification. That's Rava's proof to this idea. That when Kulei Hafach Lava, when the entire body is covered with the Lavan, with the whiteness of the Tzaras, which is a malady, which is a sickness. But when the sickness spreads across the entire world, oh, it's time for Mashiach. Very, very, very puzzling passage in the Talmud. Why? How do we explain that? How do we understand it? So the Marsha says, the Marsha says, Marsha is one of the great, um, one of the great commentators on the Talmud, and the Marsha says like this: What's the connection of the tzaras? Doesn't explain the reason, but he says, what's the connection of the tzaras to the condition of the world, of the nations of the world before Mashiach comes? He says because the Torah talks about four names, four different types of tzaras. And they have different names, Se'es, Sapachas, and Baheres. What they mean in English is not important, they don't have English names. They're all the same idea, they're all different types of discoloring, those are three. And then there's a fourth one called Negatsaras. So there are four types of Negaim, and the Medrash says that these four Negas are related to the four empires that the Jewish people go through their exile. Similar to what we spoke about last week, consistent when we mention four non-kosher animals that the Torah says specifically are non-kosher refer to the four empires of the Jews that the Jews are in exile the same is also the four nigaim the four impure signs on a body referring to these nations these empires now the marshal continues so since the nega is an indication of the empire the whiteness of the nega that's in the nega the nega is an affliction Inside the affliction is the whiteness. The whiteness is their rebellion against God. Now, so you have an empire, the evil within the empire. There is the empire and there is the evil in the empire. Their rebellion against God, their heretic, their, their, their denial of God, that's the white. So what does it say? If there's a little bit of denial within the nation, that's one thing, that's a sign that the exile is still holding through, strong. I mean, the nation still has power. But if, for whatever reason, this, this whiteness carries over and spreads through the entire empire, 
That's a sign that the time of Mashiach has come. Time of purification. So again, so now what, he, what Marsha has done is he has linked, it's not just a random comparison. Just like over here by Anega, if the entire body gets covered with white, the person is considered uh, pure. So completely unrelated to that, when all the nations, when, 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 the, when all the Gentile nations in the world are corrupted, Mashiach comes, that there is no relationship. But in truth, there is a deep relationship. What's the deep connection? Since the Torah says, since the Medrash tells us, that the four types of Negoyim that there are in the world, they are the nations. The whiteness in them is their heretic beliefs. The spreading of the whiteness in the entire person means that the entire empire becomes corrupted. And it's interesting. The Marsha doesn't say it explicitly, but it says in other places. This spreading of the entire thing becoming corrupted is only mentioned by the fourth nega. By the laws of the first three negayim, by the se'es, by the beheres, apachas, and se'es that is mentioned in the beginning of the parsha, it doesn't mention this rule that when the nega, when the, when the infliction, when the whiteness covers the entire body, it's pure. It doesn't mention it. It only mentions it by the fourth type of nega, that the marsha says is nega tzaras. Only by this one it mentions that the spreading of the nega over the entire body deems the person pure. Which is an indi- indication that this is a particular thing that's going to happen in the fourth exile. Meaning in our exile right now, right before Mashiach comes, the exile of Edom, the exile, so to speak, of the Roman Empire, which later translates into the exile in the West, the Western Christian nations or whatever. And when that becomes completely white, that's when we're going to have the coming of Mashiach. But the Marsha doesn't give commentary. He doesn't explain why. So what I'd like to do tonight is try to present a couple of ideas in this in this to understand this, and maybe I'll leave it up to everyone over here to judge if we think we're holding already right by the coming of the redemption, based on this statement of the sages, to see if we're really holding by the redemption. You can make your own, you can make your own uh, your own evaluation. Okay, so let me first begin with one of the great commentators on 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 all the ag. Agada, Agada means all the stories of the Talmud. This belongs, this passage in the Talmud belongs to the part. It's not a halachic discussion. It's Hagada. So we have the Maharal of Prague. So the Maharal in Chedushe Hagadas, which is his book describing these, giving commentary on these parts, gives a fascinating explanation of why we have such a bleak description of the world right before Mashiach comes. And he says just a, a very important idea. That whenever we want to create something totally new, something completely original, and not a continuation about what was before, but we want to make something totally new, in other words, we want to experience a metamorphosis, it requires that whatever was there before should be completely diminished and destroyed and completely rotten. Whatever is before has to be completely disintegrate. And the example, of course, is from when we're planting, uh, when we're planting uh, seeds. You see, when you want to take a 
whatever fruit that there is, and you want to increase its ripe, its juiciness of being ripe and, and, and make it. So then you can do all kinds of things, depends on whichever fruit it is that you're doing. Some of them you put in the sunlight, some of you put... So you'll bring out more sweetness, you'll bring out more... Whatever it is that you want to get, the color will change. That's because you want to increase what is already and just make it more. But when you want to make this, take this one fruit and turn it into an entire tree, or you want to take this one fruit and turn it into 20, 30, um, or this one uh, a seed and turn it into uh, uh, 300 kernels. So the only way to do that is you put it in the ground. When you put it in the ground, it begins to disintegrate. And when it reaches the point of total disintegration, that's when you can say mazel tov, it's time for something new to be created. So therefore he describes, the coming of Moshiach is not just a better world. We have the world as it is right now, and when Mashiach is going to come, it's going to be uh, quite a bit better. 10% better, 20% better. Things are going to become really nice. That's not what it is. When Mashiach is going to come, the goodness, the godliness, the holiness that's going to be in the world is going to be so powerful and so strong to the point that it's a radical, radical change. It's considered a total metamorphosis. Even though it's the same world, but still it's a change. The experience of life is going to be so radically different. And therefore we can't just grow into it. It requires the world, that everything in the world to completely rot and disintegrate. And that's why the Talmud is giving us a list of the, such an extreme rotting that I mentioned earlier, because this is an indication of the complete disintegration right before Mashiach comes. This itself is telling us that Mashiach has come. And he goes through the four things that we spoke about earlier. He says, whenever things change, things can get ruined, rather. Things can get ruined by one of five things. They can create something to get ruined. Things can get ruined when there's too much of something. Okay? Too much of something can bring... Uh, can bring destruct, destruction. Like we're afraid of this too much sun, too much heat, because the ozone layer is getting destroyed. Global warming, too much heat, it's going to destroy the planet. Okay, everybody's panicking. Then there is, on the other hand, there's too little of something. If there's too little rain, for instance, we have a California drought, because there's too little. So things can get ruined either by too much, too many cooks spoil the soup, soup too much salt, and you can't, it's unedible. Of course, you need salt, but not too much salt. So too much is not good, and too little of whatever is also not good. Then things can get ruined just because they change. And then there are things that get ruined just because they're stubborn and they don't want to change. The opposite. There are some, some things that are not supposed to change, and if they change, that's a really bad indication. Then there are th- some things that need to be need to be willing to change. And if they're not willing to change and they're stubborn in who they are, that, is also a, that also brings to a destruction of it. And finally he says, the other destruction is when something just innately disintegrates. Not so many, it's not too much, too little, changing. It just collapses, it just implodes on itself. It just dissolves, it just gets destroyed. So he says these are the five ideas and the the disintegration of society before Mashiach could come is going to be on all these levels. In regards to the increase, too much of something we shouldn't have is too much chutzpah, as we mentioned earlier. The world is going to be filled with chutzpah, and that is not good. And he says, particularly in regards to chutzpah, because a little bit of chutzpah is good, because the sages tell us 
that a little bit of azos. First of all, the sages say that the Jewish people have are chutzpah people. We have a lot of we have a lot of guts. Yidna are azim sheba'umais. They're very stubborn, they're very firm, and they couldn't care less what others think of them. As I mean, that's the way it should be many times. And they have an azuz, a certain brazenness. But a little bit of it is good. Too much of it is really, really not good. And that's what's going to happen before Mashiach comes. A great increase in the level of azuz in the world. No good. Then, in regards to the decrease... The wine will decrease. We said earlier, there won't be. Now wine is something he says should really be blessed. Because we know that we sing shira on wine. So wine symbolizes something that is receptive of blessing. The fact that the wine becomes very expensive, which means a lack of bracha in the wine. So that's a diminishment. That's indicative of the diminishment of blessing in the world. What ought to be more became less. Thirdly, in regards to the realm of change, the worst kind of change you can have are when respectable people, people that are supposed to represent a higher way of life, become corrupted. As it says before Mashiach comes, that's the other sign that he gives, that, that those that are supposed to be honored, are even the, even the greatest, are corrupted. So that's a change. It's an unwanted change, and not a good change. You say people are all changing, we're all influenced, and it's hard for a person to keep up their morality and their honesty. But when it reaches even the highest and the greatest people, that's a big problem. So that is the idea of a corruption coming from change. Then the, then the Gemara also says, people will not accept the ain teichacha, there won't be any rebuke. So there is no rebuke meaning that people are not accepting rebuke. That means that no one wants to change. Everybody is happy the way they are. That's the opposite. That's when we need to educate, we need to refine, we need to become better, when we need to make a change, and we don't make a change. So negative change happens, but positive change is not happening. And finally, this that it says that the nations of the world will all become minus, the nations of the world will all become heretical, that is a imploding on oneself, a complete, total, essential disintegration. Because the worst disintegration something can have is when it loses all of its connection to its creator. So the deepest denigration of an entity, where it turns itself into, as the, Ram, as the words of the Maral, it turns itself into non-existent, literally, is, a, is an atheist. Because an atheist is disconnected. So temporarily the person can be very, very much a being with a loud voice and make a lot of noise and demand that you take off the Ten Commandments from here and remove it from there and take out God's name from the, from the, from the, from the uh, constant whatever and they will eliminate all prayer. And, and So of course, people can make a be a move, but it's essentially dead. Because, some, because God is life. And when something is in total denial of anything higher than he or his or herself, and, and the, the morale says, it's re, 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 this reinforced in halacha, because when someone is a min, a min means an atheist, when the Jewish people were living in the land of Israel and they had all the power and we had a Jewish... Now, no one should try this because it's absolutely forbidden today. But in concept, the person like that is allowed to be put into a pit and not be brought out. Which means there's no, you're not considered even a being. 
So when you have all the nations in the world become heretics and become atheistic and non-believers, it's a total imploding of all of existence on itself. So that's the morale's description. Then morale goes ahead and explains that um, the morale continues and he says, just give me one second over here, because I don't want to miss one of his very special points. Um, Now, what does this have to do with um, what does this have to do with the taras? So, the taras, as we said before, the indicator to all this is taras. It says because taras, when we say a partial taras on the body, is a sign of impurity. But when the taras covers the entire body, that's a sign of purification. Why is that? He says because partial taras is an indication that what that you have. Something where there is supposed to be life, where there is supposed to be life, there is decaying. So in a place where there is supposed to be life and there is tzaras, which, which by the way, tzaras is like dead, dead body. The sages say that a metzora is considered like a dead person. Metzora chashuv kemes. Because tzaras means, you can even see it, the fact that the body turns white means that the blood has left it. Blood is life. So a, a mitzorah being that he's, he's has the tzaras. No. So when, in a, when, when part of the body is discolored, it means where there is supposed to be life, there is a lack of life. But if the entire human being is covered in white, he says that's not an indication of something abnormal is happening. That's normal. Why is that normal? Because as we mentioned earlier, whenever something new has to occur, there has to be a disintegration of what was before. So if, so here you see, like you see, let's not talk, you know, in, in the greater sense, it's all of us. Why do we all have to pass away? Why does, there, why does there have to be death in the world? The answer is because we're meant to one day be reconstructed and live for all eternity. The bodies that we have now cannot live forever. So there has to be, so we have to, a person has to leave, leave this world and be buried, and then be resurrected, so that the body can live forever. So that death, that passing on, is not an abnormality, that's, that's part of a process. And if we take that into our lives, there are certain times in our lives that everything in our life falls apart. When that happens, it doesn't have to get us completely panicked and frightened, because that's an indication that God is taking us towards something much bigger. When there are just problems that are hitting you in certain areas of your life, certain faults, certain problems, then it's more worrisome. But if it's everything, you know that God is putting the, pulling the carpet. Because He needs you to fall. And why is He making you fall? So He can reconstruct and rebuild you much bigger than you are. So there's a total makeover. That's, that's not a bad sign. In other words, it's an indication that it's coming from Hashem. As he goes on later and he says, he adds that idea. He says, when there is partial, when, there is par- when the world becomes partially corrupted, that could be the doing of humanity. Humanity can corrupt itself. God gave us all Bechir So we can either do what's right or we can either do what's wrong. 
But since we're finite, our corruption can only be finite. We can destroy, but we can't destroy something entirely. We don't have the ability for total destruction. We can make a mess, but we're limited in how big of a mess we can make. If the mess becomes so ginormous and so gigantic that we can't fathom how big the mess is, ooh, only God can make such a mess. And when you see, so you know it's divine. And he adds another thing. He says, when God does something, he doesn't, anything coming from heaven doesn't work halfway. God does complete. So it's an indication that it's a godly phenomenon. If every kingdom in the world becomes heretical, everything goes, becomes uh, atheistic, everything is destroyed, all morality is destroyed, ooh, that must have come from God. So then it's an act of God, and that's a sign, why is God doing it? In order to reconstruct and rebuild. That's the morale's take on this whole idea. Okay. Now, the Abarbanel, in his book, Yeshua is Mashiachai. So the Abarbanel wrote a book about Mashiach, refuting Christian claims. Very interesting book about Mashiach. Anyways, in that book of Yeshua is Mashiachai, the Abarbanel asks the question, in regards to this, the Abarbanel asks the question in regards to this Talmudic passage. And the Abarbanel really is dealing more than just this Talmudic passage. Because this idea that before Mashiach comes, the world falls into a very negative state, is stated in many places in Gemara. It's not only in Masech Sanhedrin. First of all, I only read to you a small passage of Masech Sanhedrin. Over here, there's many more passages in the Gemara where the Gemara talks about lots of corruption, lots of disintegration before Mashiach comes. It talks about extreme poverty. It talks about um, extreme um, 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 fighting and lack of cohesiveness. It talks about, I mean, lots of negative things happening. A lot of extreme hunger and things like that. Inflation, I mentioned inflation now, but in all aspects. And it's a Masech Tesaita, a Masech so the, he asked the question, how can it be? Mashiach is supposed to represent the greatest of times. The, the most unbelievable moment. So how can it be that the prelude and the entranceway to Mashiach, the welcoming of Mashiach is going to be in such a, the, in such a, in such a messed up state? So um, he explains it as follows. And he says that, um, similar, he brings the concept of the maral, a little similar. But he says, well, the way Geula comes is from one extreme to another extreme. Right before that is extreme. Is ex- In other words, when, the, when Hashem brings a Geula, when He brings a redemption, He takes us first to the full other extreme of extreme constriction and limitation from like the idea, He doesn't mention this passage, Mina Meitzar Karasika, from extreme tsar, from extreme constriction, and from there, Anani, answer me by Merchav and broadness. So he says, that's why the Gyula, here's the words are, um, that the Jewish people should be uprooted, from the extreme of hardship, of, of bad, if you would call it, and, and, and destruction, and disintegration, to greatness, and success, an incredible success. And he, then he brings just the two lines of the maral. Because in order for something new to take a hold, whatever was before had to be destroyed. And be, but then he compares it to like it was in Egypt. 
when it says when Miriam was born, that's when the Gullus became extremely harsh. The last 86 years of Gullus was extreme. When Miriam was born, that's why it's called Miriam. She was named Miriam because he says two things happened then. Number one, they increased the labor. It became far, far more crushingly difficult to labor. In addition to that, they started throwing the babies into the Nile. So all that horror began in the last period of the exile. Why? Because that's the way it works. From extreme darkness, from extreme darkness, and therefore he goes and he says, you'll see that whatever the Navi, whatever the prophets speak about in the days of Mashiach, of it being so wonderful and so good and so much blessing, it's in those very same blessings that it points out the opposite that happens right before Mashiach comes. And he begins, for instance, he says, one of the things we know about Mashiach, that the world is going to be filled with divine knowledge. There is going to be so much wisdom and so much knowledge in the world. So therefore, what happens right before Mashiach comes? So he brings Rabbi Yochanan says in Masechtis, in, in Masechtis Sanhedrin, Dor ben David Ba, the generation that Mashiach comes, Talmidei Chachamim Mismatim. The Torah scholars become very few. So instead of when Mashiach comes, when everybody is going to have, everybody's going to be a scholar, when everybody's going to be enlightened, right before Mashiach comes, there's very few scholars. Or another thing it says, the generation of Mashiach comes, Torah will be forgotten from the Jewish people. Similar idea. Chachma soifrim tisrach. The wisdom of the scribes, tisrach means will decay or... Anyways, and the face of the generation will be like the face of a dog. The MS and truth will be lacking. So these are all the prelude to a world filled with enlightenment, filled with knowledge. Now, when Mashiach will come, it's going to be full of joy and happiness. So Rabbeinu Bechayah says, like it says, brings different passages. I rejoice in God. So therefore, at the end of the exile... There's going to be a lot of sighing and a lot of aches and a lot of pains and a lot of, a lot of, a lot of heartbreak. Okay? In, compares, in contrast to the days of Mashiach, when there's going to be a great, uh, there's going to be a great, sat- the world is going to be, have tremendous blessing of, of produce. There isn't, there's going to be plenty. The world's going to be filled with blessings. There isn't going to be one hungry person on the planet. So right before Mashiach comes, extreme poverty. And so he goes through the whole thing. Therefore he concludes, since before Mashiach comes, since when Mashiach comes, the nations of the world are going to experience a total transformation. As it says, the Abishta says, Ozahapech, then I'm going to change Elaamim, all the nations, Safabrura with one clear mouth and one clear tongue, Likroi Kulam Bishem Hashem, to call out all of them in the name of God. Therefore, right before that, we're gonna experience the opposite extreme atheism in the world and a lack of belief in the nations. Because again, we're going from extreme to extreme. That's the Abar Benel and the Sefi Yeshua's Mashiach. But then he goes and he gives another, he gives three ideas, which I really, I think mean, if you read, read them carefully, each one is, he says something that seems to be a prophecy, a, 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 uh, a sad prophecy, but yet a prophecy, which I'm saying a prophecy because he said this five, six hundred years ago, maybe seven hundred years ago, and we see it 
happening in the last 100, 200 years. What happened, he says, that when it says that the, the kingdoms will turn to atheism, it means the Jews that are within the kingdoms, not referring to the nations. What does that mean? He says, because of our, our people will have suffered so much tsaris, and it will reach a breaking point where they can't handle it anymore. And many of them will reject God and reject uh, belief in Hashem. Which, as I said, it was a prophecy which happened in the world after the Holocaust and after so much in the pogroms in Russia. So many people said, we have enough with religion. We have enough with Hashem. We don't want any of it. Very sadly. But this, he says, is part of this prediction. Then he goes on and he says, but it also could be when it says that the nations, and this is a very important idea, which we're going to use, which we're going to see at the end as well. When it says the nations are going to turn, laminus, minus means to, a, to, as we said, to heretic belief, doesn't mean a heretic belief against God. It means they will have a heretic beliefs in their own religions, in their own belief systems. In other words, the nations in the world will become disillusioned and frustrated with the religions that they've been, they've been indoctrinated with. So there will be a turnaround within the nation against, like he says, um, that he's talking about particularly about Christianity, that there will be many people who won't believe in it. And he brings the Abarbanel lived during the time of the Inquisition. So the Abarbanel says, like we're seeing in our days, that there are so many, even of non-Jews, that are being burnt on the stake because they're not believing in so many apostates within the, 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 the... So that's the meaning of it being... being um, and he says, and not only that, he says, Kol koimre roimi, all the priests of Rome and the hegemonia, I don't know what that means, uh, these days, they're all after the money, and they themselves don't believe in their teachings that they're teaching. In other words, the early Christian uh, believers were true, sincere in their belief. But now they're after, this is what our Barbanel says 700 years ago. Then he concludes, and he says, but of something really, really interesting, that the idea of the nega, why, and this is all compared to the whiteness of the nega. What's the idea? He says the color white, what's unique about the color white, is that it is, um, it, 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 it invites other colors into it, with, and there's no clashing. See, every other color puts up a fight. You know, if I'm red and you're blue, and you want to bring blueness into red, the red is going to fight the blue. It's gonna, meaning it's going gonna, it's gonna to reject the blue. Every color, because I'm me, so why would I? It's different. White is a white paper you can put every color on. He says, this idea that the nations are going to become apostates, the nations are going to become heretical, which means they're going to reject the belief in whatever belief systems there are. That's actually a perfect preparation for Mashiach. Because if Mashiach comes and everybody is devout Christian, or if everybody is devout Muslim or whichever other religion that people are in, and they're not frustrated with their religion or whatever faith it is, and Mashiach is coming, so there's a clash. So how is, they're not going to be ready to accept the truths of Mashiach and the truths of Torah and the truth of God because they have another belief system that is in, in competition with the belief of one God. But since before Mashiach comes, everything will turn white. The whiteness means I don't believe in anything to the point that people become very 
very uh, jaded by everything. And, but that itself is a preparation. What's the preparation? That when, they'll see, when people will see truth, they've already dropped what was there, and now they're open to receive MS, and they're open to see truth. This is the Abarbanel's interpretation on this statement of the sages. Now, the Kliyakar is another a commentator on the Chumash. His take on this idea that the nations, of the, that the whole world turns to heretic belief is also a positive thing. But the positivity as he sees it is that it's going to force the Jewish people to do tshuva. As long as we have kind of some morality, some belief, some, somebody to turn to for protection, because there's some God-fearing entity in the world, so we're kind of relying that we're okay. But once we realize that there's no one to turn to anymore, cool, no one believes in God. So if no one believes in God, so then the threat to the Jewish existence comes from all directions. And you don't even have a plan. Like a, a Ameri- Jews, American Jews always believe that America will be their shield and their shelter or the like. But when there's no one else there anymore and there's no protection, so what do you have? An only choice. The only choice is to turn to Hashem. So this is the idea, the tshuva that will come from it. That's the kliyach. Now before I go into a very, very beautiful explanation on all of this, I'd like to share one more idea. Because you see everything, you can have a right eye and a left eye. You can see everything from a very negative point, you can see everything in a positive. So the um, Benishchai, in the Sefer Ben Yehoyada, has such a, he flips the whole Gemara over and sees it all like a garden full of flowers and roses. He says, let's take a look one for one. When the Gemara says that before Mashiach comes, chutzpah will increase, he says the chutzpah that we're talking about is that people will have the chutzpah to do the right thing. And there will be so many people, so many young people that will turn to Yiddishkeit. And they will turn, even though if it's against their families and other things, people will have a chutzpah to make, to do what's good and what's right. And they won't care what others are thinking. Which in a sense was part of what the hippie movement began. That the young were rebelling against what was and people were willing to just, people were looking for truth or for something, something more in life. What exactly how people found it or what did they determine that is a different story. But the fact that people were frustrated with what it was and they weren't afraid to be different. Okay? But he says that that's the azaz, the chutzpah that's going to come, which is very positive. When it says, hayoyker, honor, honor will become, will, ya'aves will be cheapened, which as we said earlier means that even honorable people will be corrupted. He has a beautiful interpretation on this in the positive. Honor means that those who walk around thinking that they deserve honor, people that are arrogant, people that are full of themselves, will be looked down upon, will be cheapened. In other words, people will dislike people, of that, people that are boasting and are all proud of who they are. That will become so despicable, which is again a sign of a good sign of Mashiach. People will not tolerate, tolerate arrogance. People will be drawn to humility and to truth. The Gefen, the, the vineyard will give its fruits. It's the third simon the Gemara says. The vineyards will give its fruits, but the wine will be expensive. So the Benish Chai reads it like this. The vineyards are the Jewish people. We're called Gefen. 
as it says, Gefen mimitzrayim tasia, that Hashem took the vine out of Egypt, made a journey. So we're, the vineyard will give its fruits, which means Jewish people will start doing mitzvahs, mitzvahs are fruits. As we see across the world, that as a result of the beautiful, amazing mitzvah campaigns, in which millions of Jews across the world are doing mitzvahs, and they're excited to do a mitzvah. The, the, the fruit, the gefen will give its fruit, and the wine will be expensive, wine is Torah. People will honor the Torah, people will say, wow, that's expensive. People will treat it as something of value. It will be very, very, very highly valued. Thirdly, when it says, or fourthly, when it says in the Gemara that the nations will turn into um, heretic, into minus, so he actually learns, as we said earlier, that the minus is not a minus against God. It's not an atheism against God. It's the people, the, the people of all various different faiths will become disillusioned with their faith itself, with those, with those. And that's the idea of minus. They'll be frustrated as he words over here, he says, Lo yaminu, they won't believe bekaimrim ubadashalahem in the priests and in the and in their and in the religion. Eliyapakruba, they will rebel against it. And that will open up their their that will make them ready to receive the message of truth, the message of Mashiach. And what's the Pasuk of all of that? The Pasuk is that when it all turns into white, that means when all sins in the world are transformed to whiteness, like Yom Kippur. That's the tshuva of all of humanity. And these are the things that are going to happen right before Mashiach comes. What a positive, beautiful take on this passage of the Gemara that otherwise is so bleak. However, now I'd like to share another idea, a take on this. This is from the Lubavitcher Rebbe, in which he learns this passage of the Gemara, just this idea of the entire world coming to Minos and understanding what, is that a good sign? How, how do we see that? He says, here's an, here's an amazing thing. In general, let's analyze this halacha. Because everything, you know, the Gemara does a comparison. It means that it's really, really connected. So let's analyze the halacha in regards to the person that has tsaras. When a person has tsaras, when a person has a nega, and there's a strange rule that when the nega passes over his entire body, he's tahar. What is the reasoning? How do we explain that? Rabbeinu Bechaya says that that's a decree that doesn't have any logic. It's an Totally super logical decree. Just like the red heifer, which we read about last Shabbos, Paraduma, we don't understand. So too the rule, that when the entire body is covered in, in, in white, it should have been the opposite. The person is, seems to have a real illness. So, but but the, the uh, Rabbi Machai says, no, 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 it's exerus akasov. So is a decree from God from above. That's one way of looking at the, the reason why it's started. But there's another idea. And that is to say no. It actually makes sense. Why? If there is a nega, if there is an affliction on part of the body, similar to what the Maral says before, it's a sign that, you are, that the nega is an encroachment on your body. You have your body, whatever your color of your skin is, and this is a discoloring, which means you've been hit by some kind of a malady, some kind of a spiritual cancer, which is showing itself in the physical. It's changing the color. Oh, it's a terrible thing. Terrible thing. However, if the entire body is white, that's a sign that it's not like something has interfered in your body. This is the color of your body. You have a, you have a person's body is a different color. Some people are redder in their skin. 
Some people are whiter in their skin, darker in their skin, different colors of skin. This person has white skin. He's going to say, well, he wasn't that way yesterday and he's not going to be that way. Yeah, but okay, that's one of the colors of your body, I guess. It's not considered now because every part of the body is filled with it. Because the entire body is covered with the white color. Now it's interesting, Ibn Ezra says similar to that. Ibn Ezra says the very fact that the entire body becomes white is a sign that the infection came out from the inside and it's on its way out. It's spread all over means it is completely, the body has completely rejected it. That's why it's still hurt. But again, it gives a logical explanation of why it is. Because all the shmutz and chazarai, all the bacteria, whatever it was, and germs that were inside, now was spit out. So it's true, but it's only on the surface. That's the idea. It's only on the surface. It's not deep anymore. Initially, the germs were deep inside the body. But now it came out. That's why it's tough. But these are two approaches. One of them is to see it as a gzeris Now, halachically, from the, from the Torah, from the perspective of halacha, it's clear that it is a Torah decree and it's not a logical thing. And the reason for that is because according to halacha, there are certain restrictions in when we say, when we apply this rule. We only apply this rule that when a person becomes completely covered in saras, he is tahar, is if this person was already tameh. That means if the person was already defiled, the Kohen had already pronounced him tameh and he sent him out of the camp. He's out of the camp, he's here in isolation, and suddenly he wakes up one day, looks in the mirror, and sees his entire body is covered with saras. He calls the Kohen, and the Kohen will say, you're, you're clean. But, if the person never was sent out of the camp yet, someone knocks on the Kohen's door, the Kohen comes to the door, and he sees a guy covered in white, he looks like a ghost. So the halacha is, this is not a, this is not, this is not a tohar nega. Quite on the contrary, the person is tummy. I mean, of course, it needs to have other simonim that make toma, but it's not a simon tahara. It's not a simon of purity. It's only a simon of purity if a person was first tummy and then this happens. Now, there's no logic for that. If the reason why someone is tar is because that's just a sign of the, of, of the color of this person's body and it's not a nega, then it should apply in all cases. So from Allah and from other other proofs to it, which I'm not going to get into right now, there are other proofs to this idea that in halacha it's a decree. It you, this law is a is a rule. It's just a divine. It's by divine decree, imposed on the nega that when it covers the whole body under certain circumstances, the the person is 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 not tummy. Rashi, however, who is learning pshutay shel mikra, meaning simple pshat. It's clear from Rashi that Rashi seems to be learning that this is not an irrational or a super rational law, but this something is, this is just logical. That this is not considered a nega. It's, how do you know that? Because Rashi is interesting. Rashi speaks when Rashi says by the beginning of the parsha, when it talks about white hair, that in order to de- decide that a nega is tameh, Rashi says, Gzeris akasavu, it's a gzeira of the pasuk. That wide here is a simon tumah. When it comes, however, to this, this part of Negayim, where there's two laws in the second parsha of Nega. Okay, the, the laws of Nega are described in two portions. I don't mean two portions, I don't mean two sedra, I don't mean tazriya mitzorah. I mean within tazriya itself, there's two paragraphs dealing with the laws of skin Negayim. 
By the first one, it speaks about white hair. There Rashi says it is a gzeris akasav. It's a decree from God that if hair becomes white in the nega, that's a sign of tum. The second parsha introduces two new laws. One of them is that if there's fresh skin, in the middle of a nega, you have a white blotch, in the middle of it, you have clean, healthy-looking skin. That's a sign of impurity. Healthy-looking skin in the middle of a nega is a sign of impurity. Now Rashi, interesting, and that's one law, and the second law it adds in the second paragraph is the law that if it covers the whole body, if it covers the whole body, the person is tough. Now by the first one, the laws of the fresh skin, Rashi doesn't say that it's a decree. Rashi says if there's fresh skin, healthy looking skin, that's a sign that there's a lot of, there's a lot of pus beneath. It's on the, the person is sick in the inside. It's showing it on the outside. It looks, Rashi is giving logic why this is a non-kosher, why this is a defiled nega. And, and again, when it comes to the covering the whole body, it doesn't give any explanation. And there's other indications because it's too much, it would be too technical to prove it from Rashi, that Rashi is learning over here that this is a logical law, but it is so in Rashi. And, and, and it's interesting, Rashi, when Rashi explains commentator on the Torah, Rashi doesn't always follow halachic, the halacha, because there's two things of learning. There is, com- there is explaining chumash in the simple meaning, and then there is another method of learning in which you derive halacha. And they, they have their own rules. So over here, there's a different idea. And that's why actually it will make, it, it, it makes sense what the Pasuk says, interest, when it says, let's read the Pasuk. It says, The Kayin should see the Nekis the tsaras, the nega, the 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 as kolbasare covered his entire flesh, the trs anaga he should make the person pure, kuloi hafach lavan because he has completely become white, taharhu he is pure. These extra words taharhu seems to be redundant. Taharhu is pure. You just said the trs anaga you should purify the nega, kuloi hafach lavan because he's completely white. What's the last words? Tahir hu, he is tahir. Now, the, the, the sages learn out certain halachas from these words. But Rashi doesn't say anything on this extra words, tahir hu. Why? Because according to what we're explaining now, the reason you doesn't need an explanation. The word, what the Torah is saying, the Torah is giving you a reason why he's tahir. You might be puzzled. The person is covered in white. Why is he pure? The answer is, tahir hu, he, the reason why he's, t- he's tar is not because of some divine decree. Tarirud, th- 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 this is an indication that the person is in a healthy state. He's not sick. His discoloring of his skin is just his color of his body. Tarirud. You're making him pure not because God superimposed the rule. It's because Tarirud, he is, the person is clean. He is pure. Now these two perspectives... If there is two ways of understanding how and why when the entire body becomes covered in the nega, the person is, the tumah, the, the defilement goes away and the person is purified. Two ways of looking at it. Now we can also apply the same logic and the same idea to what we say that before Mashiach comes, the worlds become complete, the, the nations become completely filled with minas, filled with heretic beliefs. There's two ways of understanding that. One way of understanding that is, 
Why does Mashiach come as a result of the entire world becoming becoming um, disloyal and rebelling, so to speak, against God, denying God? Why? So on the simplest of levels, you see, well, there is no choice. Hashem does not have a choice. The world has reached the point of such corruption that it can't fix itself. So God has to interfere. Because there is such a disintegration, because there is such a denigration, and things are so bad, that if God is not going to come to the rescue, there is no hope. So at this point, Hashem can't do anything, and He must save the planet. God comes to save the planet. Similar to what another thing the sages say, this is in regards to the nations, the sages make a similar statement in the next page, on Daft Tzadik Ches in Sanhedrin, on page 98, that, that Eng ben, in regards to the Jewish people, not in regards to the nations. Eng ben David Ba, Mashiach will not come, in either in one of the two cases. Either in a state where all the Oybedar, or in a generation, Shekulei Zakai, where everybody is meritous, Oybedar, or in a generation, Shekulei Chayev, where everybody is guilty. And either, it can only be one of everybody, either everybody will be tzaddikim, or everybody will be wicked. That's what the Gemara says. So, over there the Gemara says the reason is, because if everybody is wicked, the Gemara brings a Pasuk that Hashem says, let me read the Pasuk to you. The Gemara brings a Pasuk that says, um, give me a second here. V'yar ish, when God sees there is no man, v'yishtoymein, and he's wondering, he's lost, so to speak, he's like, wow, k'ein mafkia, there's no one pleading, there's no one, it says, Lamani ese, for my sake I will do it. So God is basically going to redeem the world for his own sake, not because we deserved it. So we can argue and say that this state in regards to the Gentiles, nations, that the world becoming so corrupted is brings Mashiach, that is, as we said before, because there's no choice. That would be, hear, hear this. That would be similar to saying, why is the tsaras when it covers the entire body? Why does the person become tahar? Why, does he, why is he purified? It's because it's a decree from heaven. Just like the coming of Mashiach then is going to be a decree of heaven. Because God has to rescue the world. In other words, it's not, it has nothing to do with our existence, with our deservance, with our merits. As it doesn't belong, according to that, the, the ge'ula, the redemption, does not belong to us. It's nothing about us. It's because Hashem is imposing a redemption. That is similar to Hashem imposing on a person whose infection covered the whole body that this person is to heart. It's not because he deserves to be clean. Quite on the contrary. He is in the most unhealthy state. But the Torah is decreeing upon him that he is healed. But it's not because of him or what he deserves or it's not the condition of his body. However, there is another way of learning this. As we said earlier, that it could be the reason why the nega, the reason why a person whose infliction covers his entire body, the reason why this person is tired is because this is an indication that he is a healthy person and the discoloring of his skin is just his natural color. It's not as... 
So then we have to say the same thing with the entire world becoming full of, of, of heretic beliefs. What does it really mean? It, that's an indication actually of a very positive world, of a world that's mamish, ready for Mashiach. When it says that the people will become apostates, the Malchus, meanest, again, the Gemara does it similar, similar to what we said to, before from some of the, from, 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 from the Abar Benel, and from, I think, right, we mentioned this earlier, that when it says, it doesn't say they will become apostates, minus against God. We mentioned this from the Benish Chai, and from the, uh, and from the Abar Benel. It doesn't say that they will become apostates or they will become atheists in denying God. It doesn't say that. It says the kingdoms will become full of non-belief. Min, min means someone who doesn't believe. What that means is that it will become evident in the entire human. It will be globally recognized. Hear this clip. I need to bring attention now. It will be globally recognized in the entire world that every governing entity that's not governing, that's not establishing its rules based on the divine morality, the code of divine morality, doesn't work. In other words, it will become so... People will become so frustrated with every governing system because every governing system will, 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 will bring people to frustration. Because we will see that it's not, it's not working. That's the meaning. Anything, people will deny any kind of system that is established to govern, which we would think these are things that kind of can substitute the Torah. We have different, we have uh, democracy. Democracy can substitute the Torah. People can create their own morality based on people's choices. We can come up with a way of a system of governing that is right and fair and correct and works. But we go up one road and it doesn't work. We go up another road and it doesn't work. We go up a third road and it doesn't work. We try every single thing and it doesn't work. And then we reach a dead end where all of... All of Every, it's, and, and you reach pure frustration with every malchus. And you recognize that any kingship that's not the divine kingdom is what? Is, is, is useless. And that's the meaning of malchus turning laminas. That kind of redemption, then Mashiach comes. Why does Mashiach come? Because the world is wholeheartedly ready to accept MS and truth. I think, to a certain degree, not just as I think, more than to a certain degree, if we look at the world right now, and I think the current pre-election in the United States is clearly indicating that there is, there is, all there is in the country now is frustration. Frustration with whatever is. A complete... Um, rebellion, so to speak, against the last kind of redemption of the world, which would be the democracy system. Um, this would be the, the kind of man's emancipation and liberation. And at, we're reaching a point where that's being rejected, in a sense, meaning not that anybody has solutions, but whether on the right or whether on the, on the left, there's a complete rebellion 
against the establishment, and everybody wants something different, but no one knows what they want. We want this is not good. What is is not good. And people are taking and grabbing onto extremes because there is no leadership. There is no one there that's presenting something real that people are looking to connect to. The moment Mashiach lifts his head and says, I'm here, he will be embraced by the global community. It's our job, of course, to help in that process in regards to when Jews are not so quiet. And we are a little bit more vocal when it comes to the moralities of the Torah. Speaking of Hashem, speaking about the seven Noahide laws, speaking that God has given a system for humanity to, to run. And a submission and a recognition of, of, of Hashem and of His system is something that is the redemption of the world. But people have to hear that from the Jewish people as well. In other words, it's not just enough frustration with what is, but there has to be already a voice coming that is preluding Mashiach, so that when Mashiach does come, there is already enough traction, so to speak, that the Jewish people have something. To... Let's hear what Judaism has to say about what is a moral life and a correct life. What is the right path? to live life in a, in a healthy world operating in a way that works, in a way that is, that, is, that is moral, ethical, decent, and the healthiest way to live. This is the idea of the second opinion. According to Rashi, the person who becomes Tameh, it's not unrelated to his body, it's not a superimposed, meaning a redemption coming from above, that's a superimposed redemption. It is something in which we can say, this person naturally is healed. So again, the, 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 maybe, it's interesting, the person is covered in white. I think the depth of what is being said over here is, that before Mashiach comes, you're not going to see like everybody, the entire world, tzaddikim. I'm saying here, over here, we're ready, Mashiach, oh, what are you talking about, the such a... It's not what you're seeing. The question is what you're seeing a little bit. You see, the guy is covered in white. He's embarrassed to go to a chasana. Right? He's covered in white. He looks like a lunatic. But, what is it a sign? It's a sign that he's ready to change. The idea of him being covered with white is a sign that his entire body, this, this is his condition. So what we're talking about over here is that there is a readiness. It's not yet, it's not yet Moshiach dig. It's not yet fixed. But it's at a point where people have no more, there's no more solutions on the table. From the entire United States, which has the ability to vote and pick their own leaders, you're coming up with such interesting candidates that we can't believe, like, well, what's going on? Because people are just voting out of frustration and out of anger with what is, not because there is something that people are, 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 are looking for, because no one knows. It's just this is not good. We need an answer, and we don't have the answer. And we're ready right now to receive Mashiach. Let's hope I'm right. And this is what is being said is the true condition of what's happening. I think this is the way it is. Because we know it's the time of Mashiach. 
And we see this is going on. We just have to match the two up. So I think what it says this week in the parsha of Kulei Hafach Lavan, but that it's and, and that Mashiach's coming will come in a manner in which humanity is is there. It's not God forbid that God has to just redeem the world. It's not like what we mean to say is like this. It's not like the 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 project was a massive failure. What a terrible way of getting Mashiach is if in the end. Mashiach will come and everybody, imagine, is going to be singing, dancing, jumping, laughing, singing. It's going to be unbelievable. But everybody will go home that night from the party. When you said goodbye and you got out of the Uber and you're leaving alone to your own house, you'll have to walk home into your apartment, into your house, thinking, we are all a bunch of terrible losers until God came and saved us. What an ultimate disaster that will be. Instead, we're saying, no, the world has purified and purified. And in that process of purification, it's rejecting everything that is not absolute truth. And what has been offered till now are all semi-truths, but not absolute truths. And people are fed up and they don't want these fake, these half-truths. They want full truth. Where they're looking for it, who's going to give it to them? They really don't have anybody. But they're looking for real emmas. And that's the ultimate journey of mankind, which was affected by all of our mitzvahs that we've done, in which we've peeled away and uncovered the sheker, the lies of everything. And now all that is rejected, and people and all of the world can turn to receive emmas and to receive truth. May we merit that it should be that kind of a redemption. A redemption where we can see the fruits of our labor, and recognize that, take a look what we have done and what we have accomplished. May we merit to see Mashiach Tzadkenu right now. The month that's coming is the month of Nisan. May we merit even before the month of Nisan to the ultimate redemption. Now.